We're talking about ghosts of Christmas past. And it's because, like, Christmas is a time of the year where you think, yeah, yeah, it is joyful, but it can also drag up things from your past. Like, for me, for example, I, I haven't always been a follower of Christ. In fact, I've had so many Christmases that started out fantastic and ended up not so fantastic. And it was crazy because, like, last night, probably because I'm preparing for this message, it was, I had a dream last night. I mean, I actually had an actual dream where there were just snippets of all the horrible things <laughs> that had happened to me on Christmas Day. I'm thinking, like, what kind of a dream is that? But that's to do with my message today. And, yes, it's, it, it can be like a... Um, a little bit heavy at the beginning, but I just want you to, to say, like, I just want to tell you, don't worry, it's going to get better. Say that, it's going to get better. All right, because I'm going to be talking about shame. Oh yeah, I know. Like I said, at Christmas, we'd, we'd go and be with the family, be great, gift opening, that's always fun, lots of food, that's always fun, we might even have a little bit of, you know, touch footy in the backyard, that's always fun, and then as the night gets towards, like, you know, all the alcohol comes out, and we hit the booze, and that can be fun too, at the beginning, and then and then we get the guitar out, you know, jinga jack, jinga jack, and we're singing, we're having fun, like, yeah, this is so awesome, but then as the night progresses... Things happen, and at almost every Christmas time that I've had with my family, there's either been like a punch-up or like a massive argument, somebody swearing at someone, doing something, because these things, when we get together with people we're not normally with, it can stir things up, something shocking. It can, it can bring things back to your memory like, oh, wow, you know, they didn't really, when, when I was a kid, like they didn't look after me really well. Like, so you can start wanting to attack your parents. That sort of thing happens at Christmas. Well, it used to happen in my Christmas. In fact, Pastor Jeremy was talking about earlier on in our other service about how Paul, the Apostle Paul and that, you know, they'd have big party bashes and that hit the booze. And I was thinking, wow, this whole time I have never known that our Christmas parties were biblical. <laughs> yeah, but, but that was, you know, yeah, they got over that as well. So, so today I'm going to talk about that deeply painful emotion, shame. Now, shame is soul-crushing because it affects your identity. Yes, it does. It can make you feel so unworthy. I mean, even as I'm talking about it now, things start to come up and you think can feel that warm wash of shame because, you know, it, it's physical, it's a feeling, it's an emotion, but it's deep. It's really deep. But I'm going to talk to you a bit later about how I became free from shame that I'd carried around for years by having a relationship with God. And you might be here today and you don't have a relationship with God. That's okay. I'm going to give you an opportunity a little bit later on for that. So if you think back, if you think back, like you can think of little memories and a lot of them, especially back to your childhood. I mean, one of my first ones was... Uh, in New Zealand, I'm from New Zealand, like they have used to have back in the day, back in my day, Guy Fawkes, which was like Kraken Night here, I think, where you buy lots of fireworks and you set them all, all off on the 5th of November, which was Guy Fawkes Night. And man, I love that. We'd all get them, you know, we'd get these double happies and we'd 
throw them in people's letterboxes and we watch the little animals. Nah, no, nah, I won't go there. I won't go to the little animals. But, but it was fun. We loved it. And we, the whole neighbourhood would get together and we'd all let it off our fireworks together. Now, I loved it. And then one day, I'd spent all my money already on fireworks. So I'd already done my money. I've done the dough. But there were these super awesome sky rockets that just came out for the first time ever, and I wanted some. I wanted them that badly. I'm thinking, how am I going to get those sky rockets? Because I've already done my money. And so I have this thought, like my dad has got this like container in his wardrobe that's filled with coins. He comes home with, from work and he throws his coins in there. Like, it's in his wardrobe because no one's supposed to know about it, right? Yeah, because he's like saving up. And so I think, ha-ha, great idea. I wait for everyone to go out of the house. So I go into my dad's wardrobe and I'm into the coins. I'm like, yes, I'm so happy now. Put it, put it in my pocket, all these coins, and I get on my bike and go down the shops. I'm six years old here, right? This didn't happen just a few years ago. Yeah, I just put, put that on rest. So I get on my bike, go down the shop, get these great skyrockets. I'm like so excited. Then when it comes to actually the time to let all these fireworks off, my grandmother says to me, Teresa, where did you get all those fireworks from? Ba-boom. I was already starting to feel it. And then I go, because I'm starting to feel like, oh, can't tell her. So I lie to her instead. Yeah, I go, the neighbours gave them to me. What? But of course, you know, isn't it funny how when you're a kid, you think that adults are stupid? Like, you know, like that, she wouldn't even know that. And anyway, she just looks at me and she goes, you didn't get it from the neighbours. Did you get that money out of your father's wardrobe? And I'm like, she knows he's got that money as well. Like, but, but straight away... I, when I said yes, I just felt the shame of that, not only stealing, but also lying to my grandmother as well. So that's what happens, though. Instead of me thinking like, uh, you know, I did a bad thing, I'm thinking like, I am bad. Instead of, instead of me thinking like, yeah, stealing is not good, I'm thinking like, I'm a thief. Because that's, that's what happens. That's the difference between guilt and shame. You see, guilt... It tells you that you've done something wrong. Shame, it tells you that you are wrong, that you are something wrong. Like guilt, it, it tells you that, I'm sorry, like I made a mistake. But shame, it tells you, I'm sorry, I am a mistake. There's an identity thing, like that's why it's soul-crushing, because it attaches to your identity. Now, when, when I fast forward, and I go to, uh, I move from a small town like Kaurau in the Bay of Plenty of New Zealand, 8,000 population, and I move when I'm 11 to Wellington, the big smoke. Yes, the capital of New Zealand. And I go to a school that's got 1,000 students in it. So I go from this little hick town, serious, which I loved, to this massive city, to a school of a thousand. Now, the thing about that school of a thousand is there are only two Māoris in it, Ma or you might say Māoris, but it's actually pronounced Māoris. That's like, looks like me, acts like me, talks like me, that sort of thing. Two out of a thousand in the school, two of us. You know, and it reminds me of that song, and you might not know or have ever heard of Sesame Street, but there's a song on Sesame Street 
way back that says like, one of these things is not like the others. One of these things doesn't belong. Well, like that was me. I didn't belong there. I was not like the others. And it stood out so bad, so bad that they would, I mean, they didn't like me either. I really did not fit. So I would get called so many different names like blackie and nigger and dirty, like and ugly, all these things from my fellow students. So all of a sudden, I'm like, whoa. It's not like they're doing a bad thing to me. I am bad. I'm not good enough. There's something wrong with me. I am ugly. I am black. I am a nigger. See, instead of like what they, you know, listening to, to that sort of stuff and thinking, well, nah, I'm going to wash that away. No, I took it on like an identity. And, and it was horrible. That it just confirmed all the time that I was not good enough. Then we fast forward, and then I'm about 16 now. I go back to the little town, Kōrero, for a holiday. I'm hanging out with my cousins, and we go to basketball and having a great time. And then afterwards, they're kind of hungry, so they go, um, let's break into the bakery. I know. And I'm like, oh, I don't really want to. I, like On the inside of me, I don't want to. But that's what peer pressure can do. Like, I'm with my cousins, and like, I don't see them that often, and they would just like, oh my gosh, you know, I don't know what they'd do to me if I didn't go along with it. So I'm like, I don't, I'd say to them, I don't really want to. I'm not that hungry. Oh. So, so, so they go, no, 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 come on, you can just keep watch. So anyway, they break into the bakery, and I keep watch, and then they come out with these sacks, and in these sacks, they've got like ice blocks and like a few lollies and some biscuits or something or other. All that, breaking in that for that. So, you know, we're around hiding by the toilet so that they can eat their, their, their thing. But do you know the shame of that for me? Because it reminded me of earlier, and I thought, you know, I am a thief. I am a thief. The shame of, of those things, it was just confirming it. I'm not good enough. And then a little bit older, I remember I loved these shoes. They were called Nomads, and all of my friends had them. They had these Nomad shoes, and they were just so awesome. And I really wanted some, but they were expensive, and we didn't have a lot of money. So I didn't have these shoes. And I remember going out to this disco, and they all had their Nomads. And I remember they were sniggering and laughing at my shoes. The shame again washing over, that warm wash of shame over me. I mean, you know, like it's like, you know, at school I'm ashamed of being a Māori. Now I'm ashamed of my shoes. There are so many things that can happen to you where the shame, the feeling is still the same because it's soul crushing. But, you know, I actually got over that one because it's funny, like sometimes things come up, like this little poem that I heard about shoes, you know, I had the blues because I had no shoes. And then I saw a man down the street who had no feet. So this happened, I heard that just after I had the shoe thing. And that cured me of that because I thought, you know what? Okay, well, at least I've got shoes. At least I've got feet. Like, hello. So that did help me. So that's one, only one little thing, though. Everything else is still weighing upon, still coming, still coming. So, you know, there might be things in your life that you feel shame about. 
It could be family relationships. It could be a broken marriage. It could be physical or sexual abuse. It could be losing money. It could be the way you look. It could be the way you don't look. It could be failing in business. But the thing with shame is it makes you want to run. It makes you want to hide. It makes you want to withdraw. Because the three things that make shame grow are secrecy, silence, and judgment. You want to keep it a secret. You want to hide it. You don't want to tell anybody. You, you don't feel worthy. Silence. You're not saying anything. And judgment. You judge yourself and think like, wow, I am bad. I'm a thief. I'm a liar. I am. I am. I am. I am. So I don't know what your I am words might, you know, are, but they might be like, I am inadequate. I am worthless. I'm a failure. I'm dirty. I am ugly. I am unlovable. I am insignificant. I am defeated. I am unwanted. I am poor. I mean, man, they all suck, right? Don't you just want to go and like do something? And, and this is it. The thing about shame, it's highly correlated, correlated with addictions, with depression, with violence, with aggression, with bullying, and with eating disorders. I mean, no wonder if we're talking to ourselves like that over and over again. It is depressing. Just even talking about it now and thinking like, what? And the thing, when you live with shame-based thinking, it, there's three things. I mean, think, just listen, think of, of what this might be. Like, do you behave this way, this way? Like, for example, with me, like, I attempted to silence my shame by perfection or by performance to try and perform my way to acceptance. Like I was a straight A student, sports I played, I was good at. But what drove me was I had to be good because of the shame I felt on the inside. You know, that could be you. The other thing I used to do, like, I was so critical of myself that I was critical of other people. You know, so it's better, like, what, what I would see is my faults mirrored in other people. So I would, I would just like think, oh, wow. But I would see those mirrored. That's what happens when you live in shame-based thinking. You see that and you, then you can become like in judgment of others about that. Or I tried to protect myself by using self-defeating thoughts, by focusing on the worst thing possible, you know, outcome-wise. And what I did was sabotage opportunities I sabotage relationships. I'd sabotage opportunities because you think, oh, well, no, I couldn't do that because I'm bad. I couldn't do that because I'm a failure. All those things. But, you know, there is good news, I know. I know it's sounding like, what the heck? I mean, what is this? $20, and how much is it worth? What's the value? $20, I know, I know, it wasn't a trick question, that's right, it is $20. The thing is, it's worth and valued at $20, but if I like screw it up and crumple it, what's it worth now? $20, right? It's still worth $20. If I was to chuck it on the floor, stamp on it a few times, drag it in the dirt, what is it worth now? It's still worth $20, isn't it? Do you know why? Because a higher authority put the value on this. 
no matter what's happened to it, whether it's damaged or screwed up or whatever, it is still worth $20. And it's the same as you. A higher authority gave you your worth. It doesn't matter if, if you've been dragged through the dirt. It doesn't matter if things in your life have crumbled around you. It doesn't matter if you feel dirty, if you feel unclean. It doesn't matter because God, a higher authority, has put the value on you already. You couldn't look any less ever in his eyes. He loves you right now the same way that he loves you. you he couldn't love you any more, and he couldn't love you any less because your value comes from him, not what other people say, not by the, from the things that you've done, not by the things that other people have done to you, not by your past, not by what you think about yourself, not by what other people think of you. Your value actually comes from Jesus Christ. I know, it's good. Like, give him a hand. He's good. He's a good God. So, you know, there's so many stories there. And the thing was, I still went through life. Different things would happen. Broken relationships. But they all said the same thing to me. I'm not good enough. And if they weren't saying, I'm not good enough, they were saying, who do you think you are? Getting too big for your boots now. This is what, this is what go on. You know, when things started going well for me, I'm thinking like, who do you think you are? That's how shame attacks you. So, yep, now comes the good news. You can get free from that. And, and I just want to share how I got free from shame. Like, this is God speaking to Israel, like his people. So in Isaiah 54, 4, it says, Fear not, you will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid. There is no more disgrace for you. You will no longer remember the shame of your youth. Fear not. You will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid. There is no more disgrace for you. You will no longer remember the shame of your youth. So my first thing that happened to me to, to get rid of this thing that was on the inside of me, the first thing was, number one, I had to change my mind. Repentance means to change your mind. Repentance means, like in 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I had to confess my sins. I had to talk to somebody about it. I had to talk to God about it. I had to ask him to forgive me. That's how it started. When I got to know him, that began the journey for me. You know, confess your sins. Tell somebody that you love because that secrecy thing, it'll never, ever go away unless you talk to someone about it. It'll always be there. It will never, ever go away unless you talk about it. It needs to come out in the light. It needs to come out so that God can help to heal you. So, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, we become new creations when we accept God into our lives. This is where we need to forgive ourselves and forgive others. Forgiveness is so powerful. It's letting things go that have happened to you 
and letting things go that you've done to other people that have hurt them as well. And to have a change of life, you need to have a changed heart. Now, when I first came along to church, though, you think, oh, yeah, that was great. Like, I gave my heart to God, and I thought, yep, okay, I'll confess my sins. But I've got to tell you, things actually got more difficult than easy because it was so funny. I would come into a church then, and it reminded me of school. One of these things is not like the others. One of these things doesn't belong because I still felt like I did not belong. I still felt the weight of my sin on me, and I just thought everyone around me was just so squeaky clean and perfect. Like, what a, what a, yeah, what a foolish thought that was. No, no, but, but that's what it's like. I came in, everyone looks like, because we do, we put these facades on, we put these masks on that we're doing okay, that we're all sweet ass. And then, so I came in, I'm thinking, I'm such a sinner, you know, and everyone else is so good. And so I still felt like I didn't belong. And I just wanted to share this story in the Bible with you, because, you know, the only way to heal from shame is to move your focus from what, like, what you're not, to who Christ is. So in the Bible, God's people, they were in slavery in Egypt for 430 years. That is a long, long time, 430 years. I mean, you think back your generations, that means that your parents were slaves, your grandparents were slaves, your great, 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 great grandparents were slaves. So you're born into slavery. So they were born as slaves. So in their minds, in their mindset, their identity is, I am a slave. I am worthless. I'll do what I'm told because I am a slave. Now, the thing is, God raised up Moses to free his people. He sent him to talk to the Pharaoh. And, 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 and you know, Moses went there and said, like, let my people go. I mean, he said it a number of times because at first the Pharaoh didn't listen. But eventually he let his people go. See, God delivered his people from slavery. And that's all great. They're out there. They're, they're, they're free from Egypt. But, you know, it's like they left Egypt. They took, you know, they, they, they got out of Egypt, but Egypt was still inside of them. They left slavery, but slavery was still inside of them. They were a slave to shame, the shame of slavery. They were free, but they weren't free on the inside, because they wandered around for years. And this is what can happen. Shame just continually tells you, you're not good enough. You know, your wife left you. I'm going to, you know, you're rejected. You're worthless. You're hopeless. All those things. But you need to change your mind. You need to get those things out of your mind. The second thing is you need to know who you are in Christ. You need to let God reveal to you who you are, and how much he loves you. Jesus has already paid the price on the cross. Like, he died for our sins. He's forgiven you. He loves you. He has taken your sin as far as the east is from the west. And that's a long way. They never, ever meet. They never, ever meet. And yet, we still hold on to it. It's having that slave mentality. You know, we're free, but we're still a, still a slave on the inside. So... You need to find out who God says you are. When I used to think, you know, I am not good enough, and, and I, I used to think, oh, well, all the time, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough. But you know what? Because of Christ, his grace is sufficient for me. You know, if I'm thinking I am bad, but because of Christ, 
I am forgiven. That's who I am. If, I, if I'm a thief and I'm stolen, I'm still forgiven. If I feel unwanted because of Christ, I am loved. We have to find out who Christ is. Don't let the pain of your past stop you from God's plan and promise for your future. See, you're not your past. You're not what you did. You're not what someone did to you. You are not who others think you are. You're not even who you think you are. You are who Christ says you are. If you're in Christ, you are free. If you're in Christ, you are forgiven. If you're in Christ, you are healed. If you're in Christ, you're blessed. So many things, accepted, approved, all those things. So back to the story about the Israelites. Remember the Israelites, they were slaves for 430 years, out of Egypt, but Egypt wasn't out of them. Out of slavery, but they're still in bondage to slave, the shame of slavery. So years after they were free, and this is years after, when they were about to enter into the land that God gave them, the promised land, in Joshua 5, 9, it says, Today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. Today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. And like God is saying to you, this day, today, he has rolled away the shame that you've carried. Today, not next week, not after three months of counseling, today. You need to believe that. God wants you to roll away that shame. He wants you to write, you are good enough. So whenever that thought comes, you know, for me, I'm not good enough. And because it still comes, believe me, every now and again, it still comes like, see, you're not good enough. I think, nope, no, 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 no. Today, God has rolled away my shame. Today, whatever I did, God has rolled that away from me. And incredibly, all those things that I talked about, I don't feel shame in those things anymore. I mean, I'm okay with with everything. I'm, I'm even okay with being a Māori. That's like pretty awesome, actually. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. There is no shame. There is no shame in me about those things. I've come through that because God, I know who he is to me. I know that he helped me to change my mind and to know who I am in Jesus Christ. So, you know, I want you to think about, because amazingly, you could have sat in church all your life. But I know lots of people who've been around for a long time that there's still the shame of certain things that are there. I want you to think about, you know, either a scripture or a thought so that every time that little voice comes up, I mean, I had someone last in the last session say, you know, they, they keep hearing like, I am stupid. I am stupid. And, and it's because somebody had spoken that and then they fail in business and they think, yep, I'm stupid. They, they fail in, some, in relationships, I'm stupid. So this thing, just constantly talk to them. I want you to think about if, if whatever it is you say to yourself, if that comes like, what are you going to say? What would you say if, if, if you heard this like, whatever it is, I'm not good enough. See, for me, I'm not good enough. Like, I know who I am in Jesus Christ. 
I know I am forgiven. I know I am healed. I know I am blessed. I know he is for me. I know I am the head and not the tail, that I'm above and not beneath, that I'm loved by God, that I'm protected by God. Whatever it is, whether it's a statement or whether it's a scripture out of the Bible, today, I just want you, even if you go home and you pray about it, what's one thing, just one thing that you can say Whenever that thing rears its ugly head, that you can just stop it in its tracks. I was telling telling everyone that you know sometimes actions, because I like actions, like um, I do these different things that really help are helpful for me. And I I thought about you know roll away, roll away your shame. And I was thinking about like John Travolta. You know he used to be in Saturday Night Fever. Most of you have never ever heard of that movie. Don't worry about it. But he was like like the king of disco, and he would like you know. I'm not going to do it. I can't do it like this. Like he'd roll his arms like that, and I thought, you know, that's a great action for me. I was like, yeah, and he'd do that too. Yeah, he'd do that as well. Marita's got. Yeah, Marita knows what I'm talking about. But but whenever I thought thought about shame, I would actually do that action. I know it sounds silly. That's why I'm sharing that with you because you know why. I'm not ashamed. <laughs> but, but I would. I would get up and I'm thinking, like, man, I'm going to roll that away. Like, I am good enough because I am healed. I am blessed. I am forgiven. So it would remind me. I'd just stand up and do that. I'd stand up and do that. And I'd stand up and do that. And from me doing that action, I, I, honestly, it's just so easy for me now. Thought comes, stand up, do the old John Travolta, Saturday Night Fever. I could even put in a few things for you, Marita, next time, but it's the roll because God has rolled away my shame. He has. I just want you to just close your eyes for a moment. There is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. You know, what is it for you? Is it a kept secret? Failed relationships? Have you hurt someone? Like has somebody hurt you? What is it for you? Like today I, I want to pray for God to roll that away. So it's that's you today. I just want you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. Awesome. Heaps of hands. You can put them down now. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you see each heart here. And Father, I thank you for your grace, your grace, Father, that when we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and of all unrighteousness. Father, I just thank you for your cleansing. I thank you for your blessing. Father, that you help us to believe that it's not only in our minds but it's also in our hearts. Father, I pray that, yes, take the shame out of us in Jesus' name. Roll it away in Jesus' name. Today, Lord, I pray that you would roll away the shame. Thank you, Lord. Touch every heart here. I thank you, Father, that you know us. And you love us and you have a plan for each and every person.